Well, I tell you, 2020 has certainly been a hard year for all of us. I don't think anyone was predicting a year like this. And the single moms at Emerge Mothers Academy already have had such a year and the, the pressure put on them to be a wage earner, but now the primary um, at-home educator for distance learning throughout the spring. It's just been an exceptionally difficult year. Many of their Emerge Mothers Academy moms are in real struggles against bias they feel, job loss, food insecurity. Their mental health is just diminishing because of the strain of constantly being home. It's just very hard. They're parenting alone and there's a lot of pressure. At the same time, the community really has shown up for these moms. I mean, even inside of Emerge Mothers Academy, you guys have shown up helping to cover their rent expenses, dropping off groceries, essentials, reminding them with notes like, you are not alone. Emerge Mothers Academy is working to provide this really timely charity collaborative. It's like a one-stop shop for moms where they can get job help, visit the food shelf, access mental health, uh, receive uh, post-alcohol and drug treatment services through a mentoring, have a safe place for kids to play and be a part of a community, a place for healing, a place to belong. We're just weeks away from entering the center of belonging with a lot of other local charity partners. And, and through one set of doors, someone can walk in and receive services rather than being sent all over the metro to seven different places just to get help. Oh, we'd love for you to continue to be involved or get involved. Please visit the link in our show notes and be a part of the first of this Charity Collaborative. And as for today, please enjoy this wonderful conversation about community and being there for each other with our wonderful guest. Emerge Mothers Academy is proud to present the To Emerge podcast, monthly interviews centered on empowering mothers. Our desire is to have you walk away believing that you can do this. You have the ability to rise up and the capacity to emerge. Hey, everybody, welcoming you all back to another episode of the To Emerge podcast. I am here with single mama of two, Lauren. It's like, uh, I'm pretty sure we're sisters, or at least for yes. some reason, our stories have run tandem. But I don't want to steal too much of how powerful and how encouraging your story can be to other single moms. So I just want you to get right into it. Maybe rewind five years or yeah. even becoming a mom to your two kids. I can do that. First of all, I just have to say thank you for having me. Love Emerge. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's so good to be here. Yes, I'm a mom of, of two uh, beautiful kiddos, four and seven. I've had a pretty wild seven years, I guess you could say, and have really, I've really loved um, being a mom, but it has been, it's been hard to be a mom early on with a spouse that was hard to be around, for lack of better terms. I would just say early on, before I became a mom, I was married in 2011, and to a man who was so kind and loving and exuberant and helped everyone he could be around, and um, I fell in love with that person, married them, and was so proud to be his wife, and very early on, even before we had children, I discovered like little, little lies here and there, like little breaches of trust, small things that were maybe not a big deal to other people. But I think what I've learned about trust is that 
it just doesn't even really matter how big or how small it is. Um, when you break someone's trust, it's just broken. And so I think early on, without me even realizing it, I was slowly falling out of trust with my husband. Mm. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram. I'm a seven on the Enneagram. And I, as a seven, really love to avoid pain by just like throwing myself into life and every experience possible and overindulging in every possible way. Sevens like order every appetizer on the menu and they go out to eat. That's me. So like a really unhealthy seven, when I started to have like real issues in my marriage, I thought, let's have a baby. So we had a baby because that would fix everything. Born was beautiful Marley May with a big head of curly hair and she is just a joy. Um, And she's amazing. Three years after that, we had Judd. Judd is also incredible. And after, let's see, I think he was about six months old, um, was when when I first discovered via text messages that my husband was having an affair with a coworker. Another thing I learned in that season of my life is the power of of a really good confession. And I just never really got that. I still to this day haven't fully gotten a a real confession. And that has been hard too. So it was, there were big breaches of trust, but honestly it was just those little things that followed that moment that I think we just were, I was slowly, um, I was slowly beginning to realize that maybe this was not going to be salvageable. And of course I wanted it to be, and I forgave him and I worked really, really hard to move towards health, but it takes two to tango. And I just don't think he was able to forgive himself. Shame is real. Mm. Shame is so real. And to be married to someone who feels that kind of um, shame really deeply. Um, I watched this like exuberant, loving, kind man slowly change before my eyes and start to really dislike himself and um, forget what a treasure like life is and being a dad is. And, and that was a really hard season of, of our life of realizing um, maybe, maybe there was too much damage done, you know, and I believe in restoration and, and, and reconciliation. And I was cheering for that. I, I used to have these visions of us like 20 years, 30 years in the future, like teaching at marriage conferences, writing the book about how to be the marriage that survives affairs. I used to just pray that over our marriage and over our life. Um, I wanted that. I wanted to be that and was willing to really like step in a lot of mud with him to get there. But again, it takes two to tango. And I couldn't get him there. I couldn't make him want that either. Two Novembers ago, let's see, it would have been 2018, we went on a family vacation and came home. He was very strange on that vacation. And we we got home and I very quickly discovered um, another affair, this time with someone who he worked with that I realized they had been um, in a relationship for months before that. And it was emotional and they were very connected. The minute we got, got back from our trip, what happened in the next month was like what I hear a lot of people go through in the course of a year and a half. I mean, he, he just decided he wanted her and he left us. And by Christmas, less than a month later, we were spending Christmas apart 
And I still hadn't fully gotten, I still haven't fully gotten a confession about exactly how and when and what, but it's obviously very clear that he was in love with her and he, he left us and chose to leave, chose to move out. And um, that was when my journey truly began as a single mom. I like to think it actually began three years prior to that because he was slowly checking out and I was, I was always the one paying the bills and do the grocery shopping and, you know, parenting heavily. I can draw back on this experience too, but I'm sure this is true for you because you're emphasizing the emotional bond they have. It's like, okay, one thing to let images of them having intercourse together be one thing, but then... yeah. Oh my gosh. The emotion, like you are in love. That's the worst. The pain of that. It was really hard to watch him. And you know, when you know your spouse so well, it was hard to look at his text messages and read what he'd say to her. You have never said those words to me. I've never, you know, I have to beg you to take a picture with me and you're sending a million selfies. You know, it's like, and it was extra frustrating that we had just been on this family vacation with my whole family and he was engaging in all of that when we were all together. So, um, it was, but then you wonder like the, the insidiousness of shame and living this duplicitous. Yes. Like how, how do you even manage that, sir? How are you managing that? You must like, you cannot sleep well at night. It's amazing. You say that because I felt I, I think everyone's entitled to like every feeling they ever feel. I think feelings are good. And I'm sure, I, I'm sure there were moments where I felt really, really angry. But what I mostly felt was just so sad, sad for him, sad that this was his story because I always saw incredible potential in him. Like I really still do believe that he has the ability within him to be incredible. Um, all of the all of the tools that he needs are right there but mental illness is real and people let you down human beings let you down and i had to just be okay to know that he was letting me down and i also didn't have to i didn't have to die under his weight like i i didn't have to live my life that way and um i remember when i was kind of contemplating like in that season in that christmas season like is this, does this mean divorce or what, you know, what does this actually look like? And now I look back and I'm like, oh, that's cute. It totally did. But you know, when you're like in the season and you're trying to like, just figure it out. I remember thinking about my daughter, Marley, and I think about 30 year old Marley all the time. She's kind of my compass for decision-making these days. And I think about 30 year old Marley and I think, if I sit down with my daughter one day at 30 and she says to me, mom, all of, all of that happened to you and you just like, you're still, you're still fighting for that. Like, would you want that for me? Of course, no. Of course I wouldn't want that for her. Of course I would want her to live boldly and be unafraid of what the word divorce might look like next to her name and just to go and to do it and to live boldly and, Um, to take care of herself and to love herself first. And so I think 30-year-old Marley will will listen to this one day maybe and will look back and will say, like, I'm so proud of you, Mom. Thank you for showing me that I deserve a man who is faithful or I deserve a partner who is respectful and kind. And I, I, I pray that for her. I believe that for her. I want that. 
right. for both of my kids. So that has been, that was like, that has been my compass for my decision as to like why to move into divorce. It was a very quick divorce because he really, they even called, they called it a default hearing because he didn't want to be a part of any of it. He said, tell me where to sign. You can figure out how much parenting you want me to have. He really didn't fight at all for any parenting um, time. He loves his kids, but I just never felt like he has shown it. You know, love is like something you show, you show up for and you do yeah. with your body, not just like something you say. And so if you're a slave to shame, there is no straight thinking. No, there really is none. And I've always said to him, I still continue to say to him, our arms are open and we would welcome you in as a, as a parent role or a, even a friend role um, to these kids when and if you would ever be ready. But it's getting harder and harder to say that as time goes on and more time goes that he doesn't see his kids. So um, they haven't seen each other for a very long time. And I had to kind of walk my kids through that by myself, which is another really hard thing to have to do, to have to tell your kids um, their dad is not coming home. And I think by far, far worse than any affair moment, far worse than any breach of trust, having to tell my kids that was, it was like, it was the worst thing I've ever experienced. I'd rather right. break my arm 20 times in a row. Than right. Have hurt to me. Do that. That's fine. You do one thing to me. I'm an adult. You hurt yeah. my kids. Oh my that's a whole, now I don't even know what to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so true. My, my kids made sounds that night with their bodies that I've never heard before. Just mm -hmm. tears and, and screams. And we all cried ourselves to sleep that night. And I wish I could tell you a year and a half later that it's, they don't even talk about them at all, but of course they do. They're kids and they loved their dad. And so we are, we are thriving and we're so happy right now and we're doing well, but that doesn't just go away. That's a reality. That's part of their story now forever. And that's mm. a pain that we're going to be walking through forever. So what are the mechanics or the heart movements of moving from wailing and mourning and betrayal and, you know, your desire to forgive and not falling martyr to that versus the martyrdom under shame. I mean, yeah. how do you move out of that? Like, I'm trying to put the weight of words on that to where mm -hmm. you now have said, we're moving into a couple years out and we're thriving. Like, what are the yeah. mechanics and the heart movements of being able to go through those? How does a person do that? I think... Um this is going to sound really weird, but I think it, maybe it's different for everyone. But for me, it was, a, it was finding the perfect balance of feeling everything I was feeling, letting myself be lonely and sad and mad and angry and all the things. And at the same time, zooming out and knowing that like there are people hurting all around me in lots of different ways. And that pain is real. Um, and it's just a real part of our life. And it can be like an amazing teacher. And so when you like press into that, you can learn a lot about yourself, your ability um, to manage things. And you learn a lot about your community and who really loves you and who wants to come around you. And, um, I, you know, obviously faith is a huge part of my life. And so for me, that was a lot of like leaning on Jesus 
that's not everybody and it doesn't have to be, but it sure has been a huge part of my story, experiencing God's faithfulness and watching him introduce people at the perfect moments in my life to like speak truth. And, and oftentimes it was the weirdest people. It was like the lady from us bank call center in Phoenix, Arizona, when I had to split our, our bank accounts and couldn't get his name off my bank account. And finally I just told, I spilled my heart to this stranger over the phone and said, I don't know what to do. You know, like this is what happened. And I just, I'm freaking out. And she said to me, okay, like if you tell me this next sentence, then I have to do, I have to, this is, there's like one sentence you can say, and then I have to close his account or whatever. And if you just repeat this sentence, I think that would work. And so I just said the the sentence back to her. I don't even remember what it was. And she was just like, no problem, Miss Rostrin. I would be so more than happy to close your account for you. And then as we were saying goodbye, she said, and by the way, you are amazing and you got this. And then we hung up the phone and I thought like, U.S. Bank lady, I'll never meet you. You know, but there were moments like that, people like that. So I think zooming out enough to have an awareness for those, just to be open to like, relationships and being unafraid to share and be vulnerable and to listen to my gut in those moments where I think I need to tell this grocery store clerk that I'm divorced or that I'm a single mom. Or I think I see a single mom over there. I'm, I'm going through a lot of pain, but I know how she feels. And I, I want to encourage her right now and not make it about me. And Mm. sometimes it was those moments that helped me change my heart from like a real, like ground zero place to like, uh, a thriving place. Glennon Doyle Melton has like written a lot about this. And one of the things she says in her book that really stuck with me was first there's pain, then there's waiting, then there's rising. And I really have always loved that. And I've, we mem- I, I say that with my kids all the time. But one thing I've learned is that that's really great in theory, but it's really just not that linear. That like first there's pain yeah, and then there's, like, some waiting, and that's okay and uncomfortable. And then you have a day where you're like, I am doing this. I am a boss. And then the next day, something reminds you, and it's back to the pain. So it's like, it feels more like a roller coaster with loop-de-loops and back and forward. And I think that's also part of it for me is just embracing that, like, one day I might just feel really crappy. And, like, I might be sad. And I'm going to be – I'm going to live here. And I'm going to be lonely today. And then – Tomorrow, I'm going to have a moment where I'm going to realize I'm also a boss. And you can be both. It's not either or. It's not like you rise out of it forever. And um, I think that's what I have to remember for my kids, too. Like, we're going to have seasons where we're really thriving and seasons where they really miss their dad probably forever. And so I'm just um, open hands, kind of just trying to embrace Mm -hmm. all the parts. Right. And giving yourself permission to do that on the day's that you need to. What I think is so profound about what you talked about in your healing roller coaster is that you simultaneously kept a pulse on your heart, but you kept a mind over your mind. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what allowed you to zoom out was when you kept your mind about the ways that you were thinking is when Mm -hmm. it gave you opportunity to have purpose. And that's when people, you reach out to someone, you say like, I'm going to share with this person that I'm going through divorce too that is creating meaning and purpose out of struggle. And that's where people can have a mind over their mind. It's the choice to emerge versus the days when you just have to keep the thumb on the heart so that you know the emotions are real. And that's just what you're going to get on that day. 
And that's where the loop-de-loop goes back to like, it's just a pain day. And that is what it is. And it's going to be for the rest of your life because you had a sacred history with a person. You literally bonded and covenanted your life with them. Yes. It can't go away. No. And it's trauma. And trauma is real. Trauma is real. And it impacts you in ways you just don't even think it will. I remember my first birthday as a divorced woman. I was, I love birthdays. I was so excited. Didn't even think one bit about my divorce. And I woke up that day and just, I wept from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to sleep. I couldn't put my finger on it. I couldn't explain it to anybody. I had nothing to be sad about in that day. I was like so loved all day long and I just couldn't explain it, but it's hard. Trauma is real. Pain is so real. And it was important for me to feel that, like really feel it and be uncomfortable and talk to my kids about it and just say, hey guys, I'm really sad today. Do you have days like this where you're really sad? I'm really sad today. And um, maybe tomorrow will be better. I'm sure it will be. And then in those moments where I hung a ceiling light all by myself and wired the black wire with the black wire and the red wire with the red wire, and we flipped the switch and my, yes, my daughter and I just cried, literally, standing on the dining room table because I hung this really cool light I got on sale at Target, like, up above it. And we just cried because we did it and we're women. And yeah, baby. my goodness gracious. I, I'll never, I'll be so grateful always for every part of this journey of learning about how strong I can be. And I'll never go back. I'll never go back to feeling like I, there, there's no expectations on how we're supposed to operate and how we're supposed to live. We are so powerful. And, and so I, I learned a lot about, about that. And I've been so grateful, like really so incredibly grateful. Another thought I had when you mentioned emerging I always asked myself, and I'm a seven, so sevens like to indulge, right? And we like to cover our pain with all the things. And it would have been really easy. I would have had every reason under the sun to make really unhealthy decisions for my life. Like go on a million dates or, you know, drink myself silly. Like I could, I could have thought of a million ways that I could have, not that dating is bad. I'm just saying like no limits, feed every need like in every in every way and i i really challenged myself that year to to make decisions that i knew i'd be proud of forever and i remember coming to my one year my one year of being divorced and really truly looking back and saying like i'm really proud of myself and i don't think i've ever felt so proud of myself as i did just because I spent nights lonely in my bed instead of trying to like quick get together with a friend and, and cover that up. And like, I, I was like, I made really healthy choices for my family in terms of what we were eating and the way that we were living. And professionally I was um, growing and, and setting goals for myself. And so I think like, I am like, that's one of my favorite parts of my story. And part of my emerging too has just been making decisions I knew I'd be proud of. And I think as humans, we have to just know that like, we're all humans and we would all with no limits set and no boundaries, just make really dumb choices for our hearts and for our bodies. And so I was really proud of that too. And I think there's a lot of value in like just making healthy choices for yourself. Hmm. I think that was, that was a huge part of my healing. Right. And what's interesting with your story is that I mean, the divorce is really only a day ticker for you because you were alone so much earlier oh into the process, right? So like you were actually solo parenting probably the whole time. 
especially in an emotional way. And you were taking care of like the tactile home things by yourself too, like paying all the bills and doing. And so I think there, all that pre grieving time was still under the authority or the name of your ex versus the days when you were in, you were a divorced woman, you were in legal single parenthood. You had to force yourself to decide like who you were now, just as you. You aren't yes. under the name of anyone else anymore. Yes. And so who that yes. person was, was the person who was willing to say, it is uncomfortable to be alone right now, but I'm going to, or it is yes. really confusing to hang this light up, but I'm going to. Yes. <laughs> and that is truly where you got your power. <laughs> and it's not because I didn't have people to call. I have a brother-in-law and a neighbor who would have come in two seconds to do it, but I wanted to challenge myself. I wanted to show my own self that I could do it. And guess what? I did it. And I hung two more lights in my house that day. And I felt so proud. And and I'll always do it, you know, Mm -hmm. regardless of what happens in in my future with relationships. I'll always hang a ceiling light if I want to hang a ceiling light. You can do anything you want. But it's funny you say that about, you know, what authority you're under and, and what, like, what your legal, what you are legally. Because I remember when I first became a single mom legally. I hated that term. I felt like so offended by it. I thought, how come my sister who's married has to, gets to just be mom and I have to qualify my mom life, which I think I'm working so freaking hard. How do I have to qualify that with my marital status? It's so wrong. And there's judgment, obviously, everywhere you look. But what's so wild is like being a year and a half, almost two years away from, from that, I am, I'm so proud to tell people I'm a single mom. I'm so proud because when people come into my home and they see that ceiling light, I love that they know I'm a single mom and that I hung that myself. And when people like see the pictures I post of my beautiful kids, I love that they think the first thing that they might think about is that they were raised by a strong woman. And I am proud. And that is like, I think that is my encouragement to anyone that is going through anything like this is that there's a lot to be proud of and like pain is real for sure but there's a lot to be proud of in each and every moment of of that journey and yeah I'm I'm so I'm so proud to tell people mm-hmm. that I'm a single mom and I'm, I hope that more people are proud to say that so that we can start to just kind of break down those stereotypes of what single mom actually from what it, what people believe about single momhood and the reality is that we are actually like the most incredible people <laughs> right the movement of single mom as a title moving from stigma to your signature yes because your signature of motherhood becomes the way people see your children and think mm-hmm. holy smokes and that right? Mm -hmm. The stigma is such an, it's the, the negativism of motherhood versus your signature is your flair and your, okay, as as a seven, you're going to be like, oh my word, this is what I leave behind. You know, the legacy, whether you ever get remarried or you don't, or it won't matter because what is seen of you becomes the greatest part of what, what impact you left. Yeah, and we get to have control over that. Like, we get to have control over that. We are in control. And 
I felt like the victim for a lot of years of the things happening to me. And you know what? We are a lot of the time the victim of things happening. Like him cheating and leaving and hurting, we are, that wasn't, I didn't make that happen. He did that. I get to choose how I, how I come out of that. And I'm proud. I'm so proud of having, getting to learn that. And I had a wise friend tell me one time in regards to my kids, like your kids are going to have something to hold that they've like walked through and survived. And there's a resilience there that wouldn't be um, there at all if mm-hmm. you hadn't gone through this. And to even reframe it in my mind, like I gave them this gift of resilience and to show them that pain is something we can bravely walk towards because we know it's going to teach us something and it's going to grow us and it's going to make us just amazing, beautiful, more powerful than ever before because pain is something we can't protect our kids from and we can't protect ourselves from. Um, This season with COVID and George Floyd and all of the things that are happening in our city and in our life right now, we can just know that there's so much out of our control. And so like, what can we actually control? I tell myself that every day. What can you control about this day? And what can you control about how you move through it and who you, how you speak about people, how you, Mm. how you act and, and the things you do and how you give. And so um, all of those things give you strength. All of those things play a part in thriving. Right. They just, they just do. They guide your worldview and your values and they will guide your children's too. So that by the yeah. age of 18, your children are already be equipped to understand that moving towards pain isn't, isn't a fearful lifestyle. Moving towards right. pain is a worldview that actually heals the world. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's good to be a little bit selfish. I hope my kids grow up and know that you know, choosing yourself is always a good choice. Right. Choosing, choosing yourself is, is wise. And not to say that in a healthy relationship, there isn't sacrifice and selflessness. That's for sure. We're called to be that in relationships, healthy ones, and that you can identify with your own heart and your own brain when it's not healthy and when it's wise to choose yourself. And that yeah. is so good. That's right. so, so good. And, the, and we're already giving the children that, yeah, right? That you will now have a much more discerning understanding of how you can still elevate yourself instead of staying Mm -hmm. under the pressure of someone else who's messing with your mind or putting trauma or, you know, you have images burned in your brain or like, whoa, you are no no longer a person. Now you're just like rising. (laughs) Yes, yes. We spent a lot of our last year rewriting memories. So instead of like trying to just erase them away, we would go back to certain restaurants. We even took a little family trip to a hotel that we stayed at one time where he snapped at the kids in the hot tub. We went back to the hot tub that we sat in and and I just said to the kids like, I, I have a memory here that's hard and this is what I remember. And what would it look like if right now we did the silliest, funniest thing we could ever imagine in this hot tub to rewrite that memory so we don't have to live with it that way, that we can rewrite it and we can we can like have a new fun, way more fun memory to live. And so we did that. We did that for a whole year. We ate a lot of lasagna because he hated lasagna. So guess what? We ate so much lasagna you could choke. We just did all the things that we needed to do to be able to like move forward and not have to live with those creepy, awful memories, you know, to go back and to like try to rewrite them. You can't erase them. 
you can't change what happened, but you can change the way you view it. And so we've, mm-hmm. we spent a lot of time reclaiming, reclaiming foods, places, things, silly mm-hmm. things too. Not like, you know, crazy, huge ideas. Lasagna. Right. We ate a lot of lasagna. So the structure itself didn't change. The perspective changed. I, That's exactly That is right. very wise. I, I can't say I did something that smart with my, when I was a single mom, but that, I mean, like, as you're telling me, I'm getting choked up, like, holy crap, that is powerful that you did that. That is wise. Yeah. Good for you. you. That was smart. It came from, it it probably came from that selfish, you know, selfish is a weird word. It like makes it sound bad, but it probably came from that place of like, I don't want to be afraid to go on a vacation with my kids and sit in a hot tub and have them think about that memory. I don't want to have that happen. So what can I actually do about it? You know, there's a lot we can do. The brain is powerful and our bodies are powerful. We've talked so much about your lonely nights and forcing yourself to do that, but will you, you know, whether it's in a, an example or in a concrete word that you held on to, like, will you take us into the, just the worst night and how Mm -hmm. in the world did you wake up the next day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is community. I'm best friends with my sister and brother-in-law, and they live five minutes away. And I think um, you need you need just one, one person who you can be your total, real, raw, authentic self with. And there were so many moments where I would call her in the morning and just say, I have to get them out of bed and to school. And I am just like, not sure I know how to even get out of my own bed. And I watched as my sister would show up and just like with joy and compassion, just like take the reins for me. There would be moments where she would text me and say, how do you want to do today? I'll never forget our first snow day mm-hmm. as a single mom. And I'm a full t- I have a full-time job. I work as a youth and a worship pastor at um, a church nearby. And I had to go to work and it was a snow day. And I had that first thought of like, well, how the heck am I supposed to do a snow day as a single mom? What do you do? Do you call into work? How do you do? I have to go to work. Like, how am I supposed to care for my kids? And I woke up and I woke up to a text from my sister saying, how should we do today? How can I help? And I just thought the we, just find someone who can be a we with you when you're going through this change of not having a we anymore. And um, it can be anybody, a neighbor, whatever. Just ask someone to join you and be a we just for the season where you need a we. Check on me. Ask me what's going on. Be somebody. Who, would you just mind keeping your phone by your bed in case I can't go to bed and I need to call somebody at one in the morning? I and mean, there are moments like that for sure. Um, community, though. I mean, yes, my faith. Obviously, um, I have. there's a lot of things, I think. Great books that I read. I could talk a ton about music I listen to, but community, just that small Mm -hmm. circle of people who just show up and don't even ask, but bring you, bring you the meal or the, the hand-me-down clothes for your kids. Like all of that is, um, is powerful. That was the most beautiful. It really is. And I think that in and of itself encapsulates, I mean, the we of doing all this together and journeying alongside is the whole heart of Emerge Mothers Academy. And it's like, how do we do we better? Yeah. 
because it's the only thing that got you through that that time that early on time a hundred percent i want to be a we for any and every single mom in the world it's like i just want to like if there was a way i could post it on craigslist and just be like i'll be your we let me know what you need i will be that because we women like we need to be that for each other we just need to be that for each other and i think there's a lot of great things set up for new moms you know and for like lots of different stages of life but I'm so grateful for Emerge, for being like the we for people. And it's so, it's just like, it is so hugely a part of how I thrive now. I just, I know it is, 100%. Right. Community yeah. is just, it's incredibly beautiful. But It is. Yes. Oh, man. Thank you for all this. Yes, thank you. <sighs> thank you. And on a personal level, too, just thank you for the ways that you you know, even remind me to, to keep a good pulse on my heart, but have a mind over my mind and remember that mm -hmm. there's purpose in all things. And that yeah. uh, my, the greatest takeaway of all of this is like, how are we doing we well? I yeah. mean, that's, holy cow, yeah. that's powerful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the To Emerge podcast. If you take a second to please subscribe and also leave us a review, more people will find us. A big thanks to Jessica Manning for our music and our producer, Laurel Goulson. And now, as you go about your day, remember, you have choice over who you are. You get to choose how and when you rise up. You will emerge.